Today's episode of Beyond the Rut is sponsored by Capshow, which is the ultimate AI content marketer for entrepreneurs who podcast, vlog, or live stream like yours truly. Stay tuned throughout this episode to discover more ways you can use Capshow for your content. For now, let's get straight into the episode. And we always have a choice. And sometimes not making a choice is a choice. Welcome to episode 152 of Beyond the Rut, the weekly podcast about inspiring and equipping you to make your own path and live the life you've always dreamed of beyond the rut. I'm one of your hosts, Jerry Dugan, and in just a moment, Marianne Bacall-Uba is going to join us and share with us her story of overcoming sexual abuse and now building a life that is thriving. Marianne Bacall-Uba is a speaker, transformation coach, conscious creative, and meditation teacher. She empowers survivors to transform trauma and thrive in mind, body, and soul through holistic wellness and conscious living. In addition to one-on-one coaching, she speaks and advocates for sexual abuse awareness, and that's part of today's show. Whether you've experienced this or not, or you know somebody who has, this is a great story of triumph, of overcoming, and this is just something you can apply to your own life no matter where you are. So sit back and relax unless you're driving, and in that case, keep your head on a swivel and stay safe as we have a conversation with Marianne about overcoming sexual abuse and building a life that thrives. Here we go. All right. Hey, Marianne, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Awesome. My pleasure. And uh, Brandon, of course, couldn't be with us because he's uh, doing the uh, the good husband thing. He promised his uh, wife that he'd take her to see the, the Broadway musical Wicked. And, <gasps> I love that oh, show. Man, I've, I've seen it twice. I haven't seen it yet, so I'm totally jealous that Brandon is going because that dude does not like Broadway musicals. <laughs> so it's it's, like, actually, it's it's pretty awesome. It's I've, pretty awesome. It's a really great show. I think he made even if he says he was okay. I think he, he'll like it. Deep down, he's lying to me, right? Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll know because he'll start humming the tunes while we're like in between recording episodes or something. <laughs> like, wait, yeah, yeah. I love Broadway musicals. Oh, same here. I was a, a band geek going through high school, so um, you know, playing Phantom of the Opera. Les Miserables, uh, nice. Porgy and Bess. Like once in a while, I'll like belt out a. T- uh, well, I don't know much from Porgy and Bess as far as words. I know the tuba parts, yeah. uh, but my family's like, "What? What? It, what are you saying?" I'm like, "It's cool, guys. Just I'm reliving my high school days." That's, that's so cool. I um I performed in musicals in high school, so I did like The Wiz, uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Oh. Um, I, I forget the other one. There was another one that we did, but yeah, I've I've just always loved it. I love oh. being on stage, and I guess that's why it. You know, I I speak now and so it's kind of the same thing (laughs) yeah (laughs) i think one of the the musicals i loved i mean i saw phantom of the opera performed in san francisco Mm -hmm. uh, but i saw a traveling troupe perform uh, west side story oh yeah yeah that one blew my mind i was not expecting it 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 felt like i was in the movie itself and uh yeah, I, I didn't regret going to that thing. Uh, the girl I took, she was that was her favorite musical, and of course I wanted mm-hmm. to show off, and there we went. <laughs> but I mean, I was more into the the musical than I was her at that point. I'm like, this is good stuff. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I love musicals because sometimes I've seen plays and I'm just like, oh, they just keep talking, and but with musicals, there's dancing and there's singing, and it just it keeps you entertained. Yeah, you know, like it switches it up, which I, I really love. Uh, I actually, uh, I love watching Book of Mormon and I watch Hamilton too, which is really cool. Oh man, that, 
is coming to Texas in May, and um, I don't usually watch shows when they're coming out, but that one is on my my radar. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a that's a great show. It's pretty impressive how they're literally rapping or flowing the entire time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The backstory behind it, like why that became a musical. Uh, oh man, uh, Manuel Lynn. Did I say his name right? I mean, mm-hmm. Yeah, he he's on vacation. He's reading the the like six hundred plus plus page book about the the biography of Hamilton, and in his mind, he's thinking to himself, "How has nobody turned this thing into a hip hop musical?" <laughs> <laughs> That's his mind. He was yeah. meant to do it. Do you know what I mean? Like, who thinks of that? But he did. <laughs> oh, that that cracks me up. Like reading U.S. history and thinking this needs to be a hip hop musical. Yeah, I love it. Uh, so, what is your favorite musical anyway? Who uh, also The Wiz and Book of Mormon? Okay, okay, yeah, that oh. was like funny, funny, so funny. It was just so witty and smart, and it was hilarious. Oh, I loved yeah. it. I took my family to see The Lion King, which was their first musical experience, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, we were crying at the very opening. I'm like, we're crying about a cartoon converted into a stage performance. <laughs> This is awesome. <laughs> yeah, that one's pretty powerful too, and the yeah. costumes are really cool. Like it's it's pretty intense. Oh yeah. Oh man. Uh, now <laughs> for for those listening, we didn't just bring Marion on to talk about musicals. Uh, that just happened to be a cool thing we stumbled on just now. So literally. <laughs> uh, so Marion, you, you have a podcast called Thriver Lifestyle Podcast, and I was listening to uh, more of your recent episodes, and I was really amazed that. A lot of the topics you were tackling, like loving yourself and uh, being able to forgive others, really for your self-care uh, and well-being, uh, ties in a lot with some of our recent episodes around uh, choosing happiness, mm-hmm. uh, choosing to take care of you, and, and choosing to pursue what's most important to you. Um, tell us about how your show Thriver Lifestyle Podcast came about and, and of course, your, your Thriver Tribe. And those of you from Thriver Tribe listening right now, welcome, because uh, uh, I'm sure you, you came over to listen to this episode just to hear Marion talk with us. Well, <laughs> when I say us, I'm, I mean me. I'm used to having Brandon here by my side. And so when he, when he takes <laughs> off good. on – yeah, it's like – so I don't have – um, dissociative personalities or anything. I, there really is a guy named Brandon. Uh, he just has the day off today. Uh, but yeah, tell us about Thriver Lifestyle Podcast. Yeah, so it actually came about because of my own journey from survivor to thriver. And um, that came because of everything that I've learned in my transformation. And I, I love that you have a podcast about beyond the rut because many years ago, I was in that rut. You know, when you're talking about there's people who have great jobs and make a lot of money, but something was missing, that was me. Mm-hmm. And most of my life, I, I felt like I lived a double life. Uh, I was raised in a strict Catholic Asian American household, um, I checked off all the boxes that I had to to do. You know, you go to school, you get good grades, you go to college, you get a good job, you climb up the corporate ladder. Um, in my case, I didn't become a nurse or a doctor, which disappointed my parents. Yeah. But, <laughs> um, but I did all that. And at one point in my life, uh, in my late 20s, uh, mid to late 20s, I had everything correct. You know, on the outside looking in, people are like, wow, she has it all. Mm-hmm. I had a great career. Uh, I was making six figures. I was a marketing director for an international company. Uh, I traveled a lot. And at the same time, um, my food blogging uh, blog that was a hobby, like was 
bursting and actually did super well that I ended up writing for CBS. I did a lot of TV with that. I was called Marianne the Foodie. Um, for those who've known me from years and years ago, I, I still am a big foodie, but now I'm plant-based. But before that was my life um, and everything around it was around food and everything. Even my corporate job at that time was for a large uh, international grocery and, and restaurant chain. So food was all a big part of it. Um, and so the outside looking in, you're like, wow, she has everything. But um, behind closed doors, I was actually severely depressed. Um, I was a high functioning depressive. So on the, I, I was able to switch it on and off. And there's times where I'd go through really highs and then dips, but I was really good at hiding it because um, I just, I was raised that way because of my situation. So I actually grew up um, in a house where I was sexually abused for years and years. So I learned how to cover that up and put a smile on my face and kind of split my life, you know. Um, and my outlet was always work and school. And as I got older, I started self-medicating really through alcohol and drugs and partying. But I'd always, for me, I justified it because I still have a good job. I'm not on the streets. You know, you justify it in your head um, until one day. Uh, that all sort of blew up in my face because I overdosed. Mm. And I had a near-death experience, an out-of-body near-death experience that literally just woke me up. Like I actually was hovering over my body and I, I saw myself. And everything sort of flashed before my eyes. I saw the ambulance came. I saw them put me in a body bag. I saw my funeral. I went up, you know, to to God, heaven, source, you know, whatever people believe. And I was given a choice to stay there or to come back. And I came back. I oh, didn't know wow. why. I just felt that my time here wasn't done. I didn't know what I was going to do. Uh, and then I came back and then I knew that was my wake up call. So if I stayed in LA, which is, I grew up in California, I would go back into the cycle of on the outside looking like everything's perfect. And then, you know, dealing with my trauma and PTSD by self-medicating. So I booked a one-way ticket and I moved from LA to Miami. And this was over four years ago, um, going on five. And it was here, I say here now in Miami, away from all like, you know, those masks that I wore and away from family, friends, people that knew me, I was able to really change my life because I went inward. So I started doing a lot of self-help, personal development. I started meditating because most of my life I had spent looking for outside things to sort of help me or fill the void, whether it was drugs, alcohol, relationships, work. I was a workaholic, you know, something to fill my time because I was always anxious to hear why I learned how to meditate and calm my mind and everything. And that just changed my life. Um, I actually found the courage uh, to confront, like years ago, to confront my abuser, to go out publicly, and now I speak openly, and I'm, I'm a speaker and advocate for sexual um, abuse awareness, mental health, um, you know, inspirational speaking, and meditation and wellness to help with trauma. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now let's talk about how you can use Show to repurpose and market your content. If you have a business like me, you can upload your cornerstone long-form content, like podcast episodes or YouTube videos, into CapShow, and it will create all your content marketing assets for you. And here's the coolest part. CapShow is more than just a robotic AI tool. It's a powerful blend of artificial and human intelligence designed by marketers to help you organically reach more of the right people on more platforms. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, 
and start your 14-day trial and see for yourself. Now, back to the show. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> so it's like, there's there's the why. I mean, I mean, you, you had this trauma that happened to you uh, from somebody that I'm sure you knew, you loved. And from what I understand, it was somebody related to you. Uh, yeah, it was my father. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sorry to hear that. And uh, at the same time, I'm, I'm grateful to hear that you're putting your story out there so that others who have gone through this struggle uh, are also finding encouragement and inspiration from there. Uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, and for those listening, if you think this is not a big deal or it's just a women's issue, and we're talking about in the U.S. alone, what one in five women, uh, are, are believed to have been a victim of sexual assault in some way. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just reported. Just reported. I was one exactly. of the unreported. I never reported it because I didn't know that was even an option growing up. I was 10 when it started and, mm-hmm. you know, you don't know these things. Um, so yeah, that's, and a lot of women of color don't report. Oh yeah, exactly. And, uh, because I mean, when you look at what happens the moment you report, I mean, all of a sudden it's not, you know, whether or not that, uh, abuser <clears throat> is guilty or not, it's how credible are you? And like, yeah, yeah, it's the only crime I know of where we turn the microscope microscope around onto the victim. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, when I, I used to do a community education for a, a rape crisis center and mm-hmm. battered women's shelter. And I would, I would use the analogy of, you know, Sexual assault is like probably the only crime I know of where if we use a convenience store as an analogy, you know, so I'm working at a convenience store, guy comes in in the middle of the night with a gun and says, you know, points the gun at me and says, give me all your money um, or, you know, pressures me like, hey, give me all your money. I'm going to tell the whole world about your deepest, darkest secrets. And then I give the cash over. Uh, you know, the police right away start looking for evidence. Like, give us mm-hmm. the footage. Okay, that connects him there. Okay, I see the gun. Okay, I, I see the fingerprints all over the place. Okay, this this looks legit. He looks like there's enough evidence to say he did this. Mm-hmm. Um, yet, if it was sexual assault, uh, it's almost like saying, "Well, why were the doors open?" Yeah. You know, you, and what you, were you wearing? What yeah. were you think doing? Like, look yeah. at the uniform you had on. You know, mm-hmm. of course he knew your name. You had your name badge on. Um, you know, he was only able to get the cash because you hit the button on the cash register that opened the cash drawer, and then you handed it over to him. And it's like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> it's yeah. the only crime I hear. Like, if if it was any other crime, that's exactly what the experience would be like. All of a sudden, it's the victim who's at fault here. And uh, so for you to be able to overcome that and share your story with others, I mean, that, that is huge. I, I just, I went, I wanted to share all that just to, to relate to folks. That is what women who go through this have to endure. So when they finally do speak up, there is a lot of courage there. And uh, thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Thank you. And it took me 21 years. I kept that secret for 21 years. Um, and not just when you report it, but actually it's, it's so stigmatized and there's so much shame and guilt in this. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually tried to tell my mother when I was in high school and she d- didn't believe me. You know, so a lot, I, and I hear this a lot from my clients, from people who reach out to me, my listeners. They're like, yeah, um, you know, it's actually not common when you've come out with something like this to family members. They're actually one of the first ones to not believe you. Oh, yeah. And so that makes it even more difficult. So it's stigmatized. And so you internalize it, you keep it in, and you're like, okay, well, if they won't believe me, how will even, you know, the authorities believe me? So it's, it's a, 
it's pretty sad uh, that that's the reality of it. Yeah. And you don't know this, but I know this because we just interviewed this guy a couple of days ago, but um, you're actually the second um, sexual assault survivor on the show two weeks in a row back to back. Wow. <laughs> so to hear your story come forward, it's it's almost like we had this theme here of um, happiness, uh, probably one of the worst ruts you can get into is sexual assault. And then, of course, you know, the the drug addiction that comes with trying to cope with that. Um, now, I noticed in your, your show and on your platform, you talk about choosing happiness and choosing you. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that way we don't depress our audience too much. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's light at the end of the tunnel. There's actually, and that's where yeah. Thriver came from. Because most, um, and I see this very often, people get stuck in victim and survivor mode. In, you know, in that type of consciousness, there's actually something beyond that. Because when you really think about survivor, it, it serves its purpose. That, that's amazing that you survive something. However, there's more to life than just surviving. Mm-hmm. You know, you can actually thrive. When you stay in this mode, if I'm just surviving, it's still in a fight or flight mode. You still, you know, don't trust people. You don't trust yourself. You um, withhold on love from others and other, you have the shell and you kind of harden. Um, and this was me for a long time, you know. Um, I didn't really let a lot of people in deeper. You know, I, you always have this kind of protection and, and wall uh, from being in survivor mode. And you think people are competitive and you can get aggressive and you don't realize that all the, the bad habits that you have actually are linked to traumas that you never addressed. Mm-hmm. And so how Thriver came about was because how I really transformed my life. I went to a lot of different teachers and shamans and um mentors. And I started studying a lot of this on my own. I got certified as a meditation teacher and it just, my life just changed. You know, it wasn't overnight. It definitely wasn't overnight. And this is something I tell every time I tell my story, it's just, it's the choice you make every single day. And it can be a little choice for me. Meditation didn't come easy. You know, um, I had tried it. I was very forceful with it in the beginning. I was like, okay, I'm an overachiever. I could do this. And I sat and that 10 seconds felt like 10 hours. And I was like, I can't do this. So I started with one minute, literally one minute. Mm-hmm. And then one turned to two and three. And you start with these little, small, good habits to change things out. I started changing the things that I said, the things that I wrote, the things that I thought about little by little, these small practices, gratitude practice, um, journaling, these little things I'd heard and just started building from there. Because, you know, I had to learn how to crawl before I could even stand up and walk. Now, do you have like a morning routine where you go through this every single day? Mm-hmm. I do. Um, and this is something I've built too. It, I did not go from zero to this whole morning routine. It has gradually expanded um, over the years. And I wake up. Uh, and the first thing I say is because I believe you are in control of your morning. I say gratitude. Thank you, God, that I'm alive. I'm happy. I'm healthy. And I'm filled with your infinite abundance. And I say this. Uh, and I actually got this from, I went to a Tony Robbins seminar and it's called priming. You know, you want to prime okay. yourself. You choose that you're priming yourself for a good day. So you put that energy out. Um, and then I do some Ayurvedic principles. I tongue scrape, I oil pull, um, and then I drink something hot or warm, either tea or tonic to activate your digestive fire. And then I meditate, I write in my journal, um, I do yoga or some form of movement. And, you know, I, I do this meditation, this ritual every day. Nice. We, we have similar 
routines, but coming from different places. Me, I think I just wanted to get the most out of my day. Uh, being, you know, my forties <laughs> for mm-hmm. you, uh, this had a very healing, uh, element for you. Uh, and, and I think you touched on the importance of it having to be a daily routine, a daily habit. Uh, I remember, uh, hearing about forgiveness, you know, mm-hmm. we, we want to hold on to bitterness and it, it's like, what is it? They say it's like taking poison, but hoping for the other person to die. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and forgiveness, it, it really isn't a one and done for a lot of people. I, I've gone through that myself, uh, and realizing I've, I've got to forgive other people every day. Uh, do you mm-hmm. find that the same for you that you've got to forgive? Absolutely. I, I think this is why I, when I came up with Thriver Lifestyle, the name of the podcast and my company, it's because it's a lifestyle change. It's not a, a diet quick fix. It's not something you do for, I don't know, a week, a month. It's you and really incorporate this into your life. So this is, how you practice living. This is what you do. And it's the things that you say in your head. When you forgive people, you, you're able to catch yourself and be like, okay, instead of saying this, I'm going to do this. You know, it's, it's a lifestyle. It really is a, a total change. And it's something you have to practice every day. And we just need to do it every day. You make that choice every day. And it's a muscle. The more we use it, the stronger it actually gets. What are some tips you got maybe to help folks uh, build that new habit? So I'm going to replace this old habit of, uh, let's say, holding on to bitterness and practice this new habit of forgiveness. So what, uh, what are some practical ways to go about that? Uh, practical is really a mindset change. So start paying attention to the things that you think and say about a specific person or topic or situation, right? Really sit down with and be honest with yourself. Because if you're like, no, no I'm good, then you're not really being honest. Yeah. Be honest with yourself and be like, okay, maybe, let's take, for example, this person triggers this. And these are the things that come out in my head and it triggers anxiety. Write that all down so you can actually see it. And then okay, when this happens, what do you do? Like, what words can you replace with that? Mm-hmm. So, uh, for example, you know, instead of saying the, the this person is, I don't know, I hate this person, this person's evil, whatever, uh, this person did something to hurt me. Um, you can say something more positive and you change the mindset and you have an affirmation, a positive affirmation, like I forgive myself and this person and I will move on in my life or something that will, I move on with my life with clarity and with happiness, or I forgive everyone and everything that has harmed me and I move forward with love, you know, whatever it is, what feels right for you, just change it just so that every time you say it, you start instead of saying the negative um, word or phrase, you start saying the positive. And the more you say it, the more you'll catch yourself. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I love that. I, I was just thinking in my, head, in my head, though, like knowing Brandon, Brandon would probably want to know, like, how many days would this take? And uh, I would I would suspect this depends. It really depends. It could take 21 days. It could take 40. It could be the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and before you know it, and, and what I've realized is that It'll just fade before you know it. It's become so ingrained in, in your lifestyle, you know, thinking this way and catching it that it just becomes part of your lifestyle and you won't even really think about the bad thing anymore. That's the beautiful part of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a habit that I've got. Well, now didn't have it before. Uh, and, and this is just in the spirit of transparency. Uh, like many guys in the US, uh, I got exposed to pornography at an early age. Mm-hmm. And of course, when I married my wife, this was, oh man, almost 17 years. Nice. Uh, <laughs> Good 
congratulations. Yeah, she hasn't kicked me out yet. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> uh, but one of the things I brought into the marriage was, you know, my stash of pornography and, and thinking that pornography is okay. Uh, and it took a number of years for me to realize the toll it was really taking onto her, uh, which was, it was making my wife feel like she wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. And when I realized that, uh, that was the start of the journey. Now, and similarly, I mean, you know, we're talking about like, these mindset changes don't happen overnight. I mean, it mm-hmm. wasn't like instantaneously done. The stash is gone and I never look it up again. Uh, I actually had to put in some serious barriers to uh, prevent myself from going there again. Uh, so there's things like uh, if something even suggestive pops up on TV, I, I look away. And uh, my wife kind of helps me with it. And she actually smiles. Like, she's like, he is doing this for me. Like all the other men in the room are watching that TV. Uh, all the other married men are watching that TV. My husband's turning and looking at me instead. And uh, that's just one thing. And then, of course, we used to get a lot of flack for that. Like, that's so weird. Why does he do that? I mean, be a man. And I'm like, I am being a man. I'm being a man for my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and other things I do is I, I've got some monitoring software, like on my computer, uh, my phone. And, and, a, and actually, Brandon is my accountability partner. So he gets a report, a very detailed report on um, – my, my traffic. And mm-hmm. uh, now I don't just broadcast it to everybody. I mean, there's only a select few people that get to see that. Uh, but they also have full permission to, one, call me out, and two, tell my wife, um, mm-hmm. who also gets that report. So, like, if anything ever popped up, like, I get ganged up on. Like, hey, where'd this come from? And uh, and so far, knock on wood, uh, the past few years, I've lost count now. Um, like, nothing – if something pops up, it's usually because my kids are doing a, a project for school, and mm-hmm. uh, somehow there's there's an adult-themed um, connection to that phrase they typed in in Google. And we're like, all right. Like, we can actually track down to the time when, you know, that was accessed. Who was on the computer at that time? Oh, that was that was our daughter? What? <laughs> <laughs> what is she looking for? All right, Liv, you get to dig in deeper on that one. I'll be in the other room. Tell me how it goes. Uh, <laughs> let me know if you need me, but uh, I'll let you, you know, dig in deeper and explore that one. Uh, so, I mean, it, it takes that effort. It, it takes time. Yeah, it and it's, it's it. a habit. A lot of these, it's it's just switching out the habits with more productive, healthier habits. Yeah, um, that's the same thing. Replacing complaining with gratitude, mm-hmm. and it really changes. It rewires your brain, and the more you practice it, the better you'll get at it. And just dig at it each time. I think in our society, it's very. Um, you know, uh, we want we have want instant gratification. Okay, I tried this. You know, it should be overnight, and I should be done. But it doesn't work that way. In order for things to really stick, you have to stick with it and yeah. just work on it little by little. Yeah, I found even at work, um, if somebody like one of my coworkers isn't living up to expectations, um, and usually they're they're my own inflated expectations. <laughs> <laughs> I, I noticed a mindset shift when I started asking, "What could I personally do to assist that person to improve on that area?" and uh, once I started doing that, all of a sudden I realized that other person isn't a lazy sack. That other person isn't incompetent. That other person maybe is lacking a skill or a piece of knowledge or just awareness of what he or she is doing. And, and just shifting it to what can I do to help that other person uh, completely change my mindset, completely change the the response I get from the other person. And and the produ- productivity seems to go up and they, they start praising me for helping them out. I'm like – Man, I only helped them out because I thought they weren't doing their job. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, I, I just thought I'd throw that in there. And um, what are your thoughts on that? I, I think that's amazing, and it it does work because when we combat other people with, you know, oh, this is what you're doing wrong, and this is your fault. Instead, give them gratitude. You know, look at what are they doing right, 
you know, and you start embodying and start um, giving them inspiration and they have more trust in themselves and, you know, they kind of, their chest puffs up. They're like, yeah, okay. And they want to do better. You know, when you tear someone down, it's a lot of times they're just going to shrink into their hole and then not want to perform better. But if you build people up, you know, with gratitude, with constructive criticism, and, and it's definitely in how you phrase things and how you, you deliver things, uh, people actually light up more and they're willing to do more. And a lot of times it's also by example, you know, when people will get that off you. If they see that all the time, and I've seen this with my lifestyle and how I've changed, people start asking, even people that I never would have thought would be into meditation or or wellness or asking about plant-based nutrition. And now they're like, so what did you do this and that? And I think it's beautiful. And you do coaching now, if I understand correctly. I, mm-hmm. I, like I'm listening to you, I'm like, wait, that sounds like things a coach would do. And I'm like, wait, I, I read the bio. I've listened to <laughs> the <am>. show. <laughs> so when, when it comes to the coaching you do, what is it that folks can expect? How do they get in touch you with, with in touch with you? There we go. Um, yeah. So I'm a transformation coach, and I really work with a lot of people who are me. Uh, five, six years ago, because I've been there. I've been to the darkness, to the times where you thought there was no hope, traumas, you went back into the certain addictions and certain bad habits because you wanted to deal with things. And so I work with my clients on uh, a physical, intellectual, emotional, and energetic level. And we really go to the root of things, of, of why this is happening. And we help shift their mindset. And we create a plan. For example, they have a goal to, um, I had one of my clients whose goal was to stop smoking and to stop drinking because she knew that it was a trigger for trauma. Mm-hmm. And so we worked you know, we, we reverse engineered it. You know, this was her goal. Okay, now what do we have to do? We started replacing certain habits. Um, we started uh, getting her, a lot of times it's, she realized that certain things triggered it. So we got to really outline, okay, what are these things that triggered it? And what are the thoughts in your head? Um, we in, we put a practice of journaling and she started, I said, write, when you feel anxious or when things trigger you, write all, all these thoughts that are circling in your head, write it all down. And when she wrote it, she's like, this is what's going on in my head. She's like, that's messed up. I'm like, yes. Wow. <laughs> you, you know, people don't realize until we put it into paper, you're like, this is how I'm talking to myself. I wouldn't say this to my friend. I wouldn't say this to my family. And yet this is how I treat myself. You know, it's, it's like, Wow. Yeah. And so we go to the root of it and we start changing those habits. Um, you know, there's ways to transform that mindset. So, and that's what we, we go through and we do weekly check-ins. Um, I've had group, uh, group um, programs before and I do one-on-one as well. And if anyone wants to reach me, I'm very active on Instagram or uh, they can go to my, my website. Awesome. And I, I see you also do speaking engagements and some of the topics are uh, the survivor through threat. Ooh, man, we are <laughs> recording on a Saturday. This is what happens, guys. <laughs> uh, going uh, from survivor to thriver, uh, transforming trauma into triumph is one of the topics you cover. Uh, holistic mm-hmm. health and wellness, uh, meditation and mindfulness. Really, a lot of the things we've been talking about in this show, this episode, mm-hmm. uh, women's empowerment is a big one. Uh, do you, have you spoken at some of these women, um, uh, business events or like what kind of events have you, you found yourself in, uh, yeah, I actually have. So I've spoken uh, at Women's Fund. So it's a women's professional uh, organization. I've spoken at recently, I was at Creative Mornings. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a international sort of uh, Creative Mornings is an international uh, sort of 
associate, not association, but they have events all over the world. And I've been speaking at the Miami uh, chapter. And I've also spoken at different centers for women, especially uh, who've been abused or, or gone through our trauma, uh, as well as children. So I speak at places here in Miami. It's called His House. Uh, it's faith-based, but they take in a lot of women who are either foster, uh, homeless, or orphaned, or have been through abuse. Um, and I teach everything that we've really been talking about. I teach that, and I expand on it. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and the best way for folks to reach you, I, I know your website is mm-hmm. Um And of course, I'll put that in the show notes, because I'm sure somebody listening right now is like, uh, I'm a totally visual guy on that one, Jerry. Uh, <laughs> so that'll be in our show notes for this episode. Um, any final words that you want to share with our audience uh, before we close up this episode? Yeah. Um, if they follow me on Instagram at mbakaluba, uh, I actually post a lot of my morning routines, uh, things on wellness, self-love, meditations. And my final word is that we all have a choice and we always have a choice. And sometimes not making a choice is a choice. So I think once we start really realizing how powerful we are and how able we are to make those choices to change our lives, just step by step, transformation happens. You just have to be willing to take that first step. If you like everything you heard in this episode, be sure to check out the show notes at beyondtherut.com slash 152. There you'll find links to Marianne's website as well as her podcast. You'll also find some resources that we talked about that'll help you address the issue of sexual abuse and even spread awareness. So go check out those resources on our show notes page. The best way you can support our show is to share us with a friend, a family member, a coworker, or that neighbor across the street. So if you know somebody who would be inspired by this story, encouraged by this story, share it with them and, and just keep paying it forward. Now, we're so glad you joined us this week and we look forward to talking with you next week. And until then, go live life beyond the rut. Take care. You know, the best thing I love about Cap Show is that they have one of the best communities ever. As a Cap Showian myself, I always get invited to masterminds with industry leaders to get the insights and marketing strategies that take my business to the next level. Plus, they love surprising and delighting us. Go to beyondtherut.com slash Cap Show, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day free trial with the Cap Show team today and join me inside that community.